As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Do all the research you can do, not only on like the purchase itself, but what you're going to do after. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name. Episode 565 titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practices. Basically, he knows his stuff. And... He is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. And well, I hope you're having a best ever weekend. And because it is Sunday, we're going to do a special segment that we usually do on Sundays, which is Skill Set Sunday At the end of our conversation, you're going to come away with a specific skill that either you didn't have before or now you can hone it based on the conversation that you hear today. And the specific skill that we're going to be talking about is for millennials. So millennials, listen up. This is a guide to successfully navigating your first home purchase. 
And with us today, we have an award-winning blogger and editor who wrote the book, (laughs) The Millennial Homeowner, A Guide to Successfully Navigating Your First Home Purchase. So I think she's going to be a good person to talk to us about this. How are you doing, Lauren Bowling? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Nice to have you on the show and looking forward to diving in. So a little bit about Lauren. She, as I mentioned, is the author of the aforementioned book, and her work has been featured on leading online financial news sites like Forbes and Huffington Post and CNN Money. She is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and you can say hi to her at her website, which is in the show notes link. Lauren, before we dive into the approach that millennials should take for buying their first home. Can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background? Yeah, absolutely. By trade, I am a professional blogger. I write the website financialbestlife.com. I've been doing that for five years and I make my money completely online through the blog. And because I was writing so much about money and reading all these other sites, I thought, why not invest in a home and buy my first piece of real estate? And it was a huge disaster. (laughs) And I made a lot of really expensive mistakes. And I started writing about those mistakes on my blog and and my readers were eating it up. So I thought, why not write a book about this? I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not a real estate professional. It's purely from the perspective of both a novice and a consumer. And so I thought I'd point out things that were important for people to know that maybe they just didn't think about or those little pieces of advice that perhaps you didn't get from your real estate agent or your parent. Oh, I love talking about the bad stuff. (laughs) We can learn so much more from mistakes than case studies most of the time because they scare us more than inspire us, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're beautiful, but at the same time, they're expensive. And so they sting a little bit extra. Um, (laughs) So you want to try to help people as much as possible avoid them, even though they are really great learning experiences. Well, our focus for our conversation is how to help the best ever listeners navigate their first home purchase. So maybe it'd be helpful for you to talk about your first home purchase as an investor and what you learned from it. Absolutely. So I live here in Atlanta, Georgia, which is still a really great area for getting into a home compared to how much it costs to rent versus how much it costs to buy. I lived in New York for two years. I worked as an administrative assistant at a hedge fund and I worked with analysts and they were always researching these investments, trying to figure out what was going to go big, doing their due diligence. And so I thought, what if I researched more up and coming areas (laughs) here in Atlanta to try and really, really get a great deal, buy low, and then eventually in five to 10 years, sell high so I can really make my first home purchase make money for me. I bought a little home, a three bedroom, two bath home in Southwest Atlanta for $65,000. And I lived in it for three years, and now I rent it out. I make about $500 a month after I pay mortgage and expenses. And hopefully in a few years, I hope to make around $100,000. That's my goal off the home. But I renovated, and it cost me a ton of money, which is a lot of what the book is about. So that's why I think my big piece of advice is just do all the research you can do, not only on like the purchase itself, but what you're going to do after Well, that sounds like a success story. You just baited and switched me. (laughs) You're making $500 a month. I consider a success story from I have three homes. I'm making like 200 bucks a month. So why did this go wrong? Tell me more. First of all, it was a complete gut job. It was a massive renovation that I undertook, not only as a first-time homebuyer, but as a first-time renovator. I mean, we're talking 
stripping things down to the studs, new kitchen, new plumbing, new lighting, new electrical, new everything, which was just such a huge project to undertake. As I was 26 years old, I was a young single woman, you know, and I had no clue what I was doing, which was a prime opportunity for a lot of vendors to come in and take advantage over my inexperience and kind of present themselves as like trusted advisors and then to use your term bait and switch me. I spent probably like $70,000 on the renovation and I'm still fixing things. (laughs) So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Okay. That right there is the key right there. Okay. So you bought it for 65,000 and then on top of that, you spent about $70,000. And as you said, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So you're still spending money on the renovations. Yes. I had another contractor come in and, and bid some things. And he's like, yeah, you spent about $70,000 for about like $40,000 worth of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then there's that other $30,000 worth of stuff that still needs to be done, not only as a landlord, but then eventually if I want to sell the house. So Got it. that's sort of my big where everything went wrong. And also just living in an area that wasn't that great. No one wanted to come visit for a long time. People were like, what are you doing? And just giving me a lot of crap, honestly. Yeah, well, you're taking action. The the short answer is you weren't really sure what you were doing, but at least you're taking action. That's for sure. And you've built a business around it. And a lot of people might have that happen to them. And then they just kind of fade off in the darkness. But with you, you're actually documenting what you learned, sharing it with others and growing and building something from it. So all in, you're at 135. You still got to put about $30,000 more into it. And we'll get into some of the softer stuff in a little bit, but I want to just get the number straight. All in, you're at 135. You got to put in about 30 more. So let's call that 165,000 all in. What's Zillow say it's worth right now? Because it's an up and coming area, I don't really feel Zillow estimates are accurate. Zillow's Estimating it's worth right around that, around 135. I think it's worth way more than that, <laughs> like probably 185, 190, and then mm-hmm. eventually. Have you heard of the Atlanta Beltline yeah. project that's coming? Through? So that's one of the neighborhoods. So once that opens next year, I'm really excited to see kind of what happens to it because neighborhoods where the Beltline has come through have just taken off. Mm-hmm. So it's an investment. The longer you hold it, hopefully, the more it's worth. And what's it rent for? I rent it for 13.25 a month. Thirteen twenty-five a month, and you're all in at one thirty-five as of now, until you spend the additional money. So that is right under a one percent when you look at the ratio, which is now we're comparing apples to apples, is a little bit lower than a deal that I would do unless it is in a good area. But it's not outside of the norm by any means. So when you say you're cash flowing 500 bucks, that's off of the 65K purchase price, not necessarily factoring in the $70,000 that you put into it. So you're all in for 135. Yes. No, my mortgage is $800. Right. But the $70,000 that you've put into it, it's not the $500 cash flow a month isn't factoring in the additional 70 on top of that, right? No, that's factoring that in because I used a 203K renovation loan. Ah, okay. Yeah. So tell us about a 203K renovation loan for anyone who's not familiar with it. It's a loan product where you can lump in your costs to renovate in with your mortgage. So you're making one payment every month. And it's a good program. It's a great way for people to raise money to fix homes because a lot of good homes need work. I mean, it's just effective life, especially as a first-time buyer. Maybe you have money saved up for a down payment, 
but not enough saved for the project and the fixes. There's two different types. There's the streamlined 2OK, which is less than $35,000, I believe, which is for more cosmetic fixes. And then there's a full 203K renovation loan, which is for like those bigger projects like what I did. And I put this in the book, but I definitely recommend first-time buyers only to a streamlined 203K because that kind of keeps you out of the bigger projects where maybe you're in over your head. Mm. And did I hear you right? The streamlined 203K loan is 35K or less? Yes. But your purchase price was? The project price. So they'll approve you for $35,000 or less of like renovation money. Okay. And did you do the streamline or the full? No, I did the full. Okay. Got it. Okay. (laughs) But if you would have done the streamline, you would have been able to only put in up to $35,000, right? Right. So you would have needed to put in more, which would have been trouble. Yes. So it's a good thing that you did the full 203K loan, right? It is good because I renovated it once the project was finally over, it was done. And because you're using bank money, they've got a lot of checks and balances in place to make sure that the funds are used for fixing up a home. The money has to be used within six months of starting. So any contractor you hire knows that if he wants to get paid, he has to kind of start in the project in a timely fashion. But again, because it's bank money and there's lots of checks and balances. Maybe really, really good contractors don't want to work with programs like that mm-hmm. because they can't get deposits. So you'll fix a home. You'll have four designated checkpoints of work that needs to be done. And then a bank appointed sort of consultant will come by and check and make sure the work's done. And then they'll release the funds. Mm. So now that we have And thank you for walking us through this case study. It's fascinating. (laughs) I love talking about this stuff. And now that we know the numbers on it all, let's talk about millennial best ever listeners who are listening and they're looking to navigate their first home purchase. How do they do that? So a lot of what I see with millennials who read my site and buy the book, and I'm sure you've heard this too, is that millennials are struggling to buy homes because they also have a lot of student loan debt. And so you can't really talk about buying a home as a millennial without first talking about how millennials can sort of get debt if they have it under control. There's also sort of a trend of millennials aren't really buying starter homes anymore. They're buying like bigger purchases or forever homes because they're entering the market a little bit later. And this is from the perspective of someone who's just buying like a traditional home that they want to live in. So first it's all about getting your debt under control, maybe not paying it off entirely, but to the point where you can accommodate both a mortgage and a loan payment. And then the second thing I see a lot of millennials not doing is a lot of comparison shopping for different interest rates. I think a lot of millennials will go with whoever their parents tell them to get a mortgage with or maybe friendly recommendation, which is fine, but you lose out a lot of money if you don't shop for interest rates and take the lowest one. Okay. Where should they shop for interest rates? You want me to name like a company? I don't know. I mean, if that's the problem where they're not shopping around for interest rates, what's the solution? There's obviously lots of websites where they can go like off the top of my head, like LendingTree is a place where you can just plug in your information and kind of see the ballpark of what you're qualifying for. And then if you want to see what your home bank will offer you and kind of say, hey, I got this offer from this other place and do it that way, just so that you have in mind kind of your credit score and what you're looking at. But if you go with just your first offer, you don't know how much money you're leaving on the table. 
Why is it millennials specifically that you focus on? And what are some other things that will help them navigate for the first purchase? Well, I focus on millennials specifically because I'm a millennial. <laughs> My website's all about millennial finance. I think given all the factors, the recession and the student loan crisis and all this, millennials are in a very interesting place financially. And so they need a different type of advice than maybe what their parents got or even the generation that comes after us is going to get. But then I also think because we're a highly digital generation, I think we want things very easy and on demand and instantly, which is great for other things, but maybe not so much when you're doing research for a big financial purchase like buying a home. I think in situations like that, and I've been there, you really have to dig in and do homework and do paperwork and look at things and ask questions that maybe you don't do in your everyday life. And what are some examples of questions that we would need to ask when we buy our first home as an investment property? There's a three-step process. Questions you need to be asking your mortgage broker, for example, if there are any financial down payment assistance programs that you might qualify for. Mm -hmm. And then there's questions you need to ask prior to closing to make sure that all the checks or balances are in order. And this is part of the freebie that if you go to my website, you can check out that all those questions are outlined in like a little checklist that I have for people. As far as the questions asked prior to closing, who do you ask those questions to? You ask your mortgage broker. And what's different now than when I bought a home in 2013 is that they'll send you a one sheet at least three days prior to closing, it's regulated by the government. So that way you can look at exactly what you're paying and what you need to bring and ask questions before you get to the desk to sign. What are some questions we should ask the real estate agent? Great questions to ask are how many sales have you handled in my area? What's your fee? Is it the standard 3% or is it less or is it more? When exactly at what point you're committed to working with your real estate agent? Sometimes, for example, if you start searching online and you don't have a real estate agent and you like on Zillow, you submit a request to the listing agent saying, hey, I want to see this home or whatever. You want to make sure you're not committed to working with them just because they showed you the home. What it would happen if you're unhappy with their service? That happens a lot. And then how does your real estate agent like to communicate? Is it by a text or email or phone? And I'd say the core of those questions can be applied to interviewing any team member, whether it's an accountant or an attorney you know, what type of fee do you charge? Do you have experience working with people like me? How do you like to communicate? Will I be charged for that communication? So great stuff there. I want to wrap up with your purchase and things that you would do, maybe not differently, because then you wouldn't be where you're at now and learning from those experiences. But when you buy another property, what are you going to make sure that you do on that next property that you didn't do on the first investment property? When I was doing renovations, because it was my first home purchase, I was thinking from the perspective of an owner, like, oh, I would really like this faucet or this light fixture in my home. And I definitely think next time, whether it's my forever home or not, I want to look at it from the eye of an investor. What do we need? What do we really not need? What's going to be best for the bottom line? And in general, I think even though I've been writing about it, I definitely could have ask a lot more questions and I intend to do that in the next purchase. Even if I already know the answer, I think the process of asking questions lets people know that you're paying attention. And that's always something really important for people to know about you. 
Very true. Yeah, I love that last little bit about asking the questions it does. It, it makes people know that we are paying attention. That's why I take a whole lot of notes on every one of my conversations on the show. Well, Lauren, where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? My website is financialbestlife.com. If you go to financialbestlife.com slash podcast, you can download the checklist that I mentioned just a few moments ago. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook at finbestlife. Sweet. Lauren, thanks for being on the show and spending some time with us this weekend and talking about the lessons learned on your first investment property the details of the 301k renovation loan, the two different types of loan options within that, the streamline and the full 203k, as well as questions to ask team members and things you would do differently moving forward. Love learning from actual case studies and deals that have happened versus talking theory. You brought the actual stuff and I really appreciate that. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to transition your investing from a hobby into a business that has consistent deal flow? The Investor Success Mastermind and Coaching Program can help you accelerate your growth. Find out more at InvestorSuccessMastermind.com. That's InvestorSuccessMastermind.com.